do just a very, very quick intro right now, just like for people on YouTube, because apparently YouTube messed up a little bit. But first of all, we got Nate Cryptonauts. He's going to do the news segment. We've got Leslie from GBV. He's going to do some insights on the market. He's also going to grill the crap out of Sam Bacha. Sam Bacha yeah. is from Manifold. Manifold is going to be awesome. He's going to talk a lot about decentralized finance and everything that is going on there. So that's kind of pretty much our lineup. We're going to start doing the news first, going to cover some stuff that happened over the weekend. There, are some, there were some hacks. There were some good news about new investments coming in. There's also a $1.69 billion movement out of derivatives exchanges, which is going to be quite interesting. So it's it's going to be quite packed. So we're going to cover the news first. Then we're going to go into some thoughts about the market. And then we're going to go straight and talk about decentralized finance with Sam over there. So that's the lineup. So apologies for the YouTube not starting up. And also, of course, guys, smash up those likes. It really does help the channel grow, especially right now in this period when crypto is not as exciting as the dog coin days. But, you know, I think it's good for people who really want to find value in the space to discover what's happening and discover kind of the, the transformations that are happening in this whole crypto space. I mean, be, like if people ask about Doge, we don't know what's happening. But and when people ask about DeFi, Sam's got your back. So let's get <laughs> let's get everything started. Uh, let me do the intro again since we just started, and uh, we'll go straight to the new segment. All right, let's get Nate up on the wall. Let's get Nate up. <laughs> What's up? I can hey. see screens within the screens, huh? All right, so I'm gonna make yeah. this. Short and sweet, nice and quick. Uh, anyone can jump in with any thoughts they may have. First up on the list is a Cointelegraph article that says stablecoin company earns the record level investment sum for a crypto outfit, which is Circle. Um, if you guys haven't heard of Circle, they are the creator of the second largest stablecoin, USDC. They've raised $440 million in private investment, and it's based on a Forbes article, which I have pulled up right here. And so these dudes raised they're actually the most. Uh, they raised with Fidelity and Research Company. Um, they do FTX is a good one. And yeah, they they just raised a ton of money. Even with the markets like this, people are still throwing in money. They're just like, let's do it. Second up would be Bitmain with 422 million. BlockFi followed by a close, not even a close third actually, but uh, Bitmain is a close close second. BlockFi is a 350 million. And then you have fourth, which is Dapper Labs. And blockchain.com 300 million back 300 million coinbase 300 million and so it's crazy number yeah what huge, do you guys think huh? yeah 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 i mean circle is a very interesting one we knew them in the otc days and they were one of the biggest otc houses you remember back in 2017 they're really big but you know it got it got taken over by sort of the high frequency trading guys and and the larger firms and they've been grinding away and uh they really went all in on usdc which has been fantastic and uh i mean i mean most even most stablecoin defi uh i mean in defi the stablecoin that everyone uses most is, is usdc so good for them you know I, I think they're the ones that are really building the infrastructure in the us and they're gonna they're gonna lobby globally for stablecoin usage so I'm, I'm very we, we have crypto graham saying all in usdc let's go lfg <laughs> pump it at two dollars not $2. investment <laughs> advice okay long, investment long usdc 
No matter how much you buy, it's gonna stay at one dollar. I just want everyone to know. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, it's one dollar or less if things go bad for Circle right there. It's one dollar or less, but you know, just just <laughs> all right. Not investment advice, guys. All right. So, um, uh, okay. So, yeah, I think I think that's pretty cool. I, I mean, all these crypt companies that built around crypto are making a lot of money, right? I think that's a smart play right now. <laughs> you build yeah. around crypto. Yeah, I mean, everyone is. I mean, everyone knows crypto is here to stay, so they're gonna they're gonna get in there. Um, next up, we have UK bank Starling bans crypto exchange deposits due to suspected financial crime. Um, so there's something interesting about this article that I found when I read it. Um, not not just the title. So the title is like they're not letting people, um, you know, deposit. They're letting people withdraw, but they're not letting people deposit. Um, but Starling is a mobile only bank. So first off, it's a it's a digital bank. And second off, they're only allowing people who are f fully registered with the Financial Conduct Authority. And it seems like that they're shilling their own company. So, for example, so only five companies are fully registered. They can only deal with crypto companies who are fully registered. And one of the ones that are registered are actually founded by a Starling co-founder. So, huh. right? I'm just like, well. That's kind of genius. That's kind of genius. Right? Right? Uh, so you make the headlines. People are looking at this. And maybe they, they all start downloading Zigloo. Um, <laughs> you right, know, because of the headlines. So. <laughs> Starling Bank, but I, I mean, I mean, banks are traditionally not very friendly with crypto. I think this is one of the big issues that is going to be cropping up over quite a some period of time. I mean, HSBC infamously is not very crypto friendly. Uh, I know in Hong Kong, like quite a few banks here. You know, if you tell them you're dealing with crypto, you're like, okay, uh, thanks for telling us. Uh, here's a door. Uh, we'll lead you to it, and uh, here's all your money too. Like, let's just take it out. We don't want we don't want to touch this. That that's that's generally the the way it is. And um, I had a few friends as well that were just like they kind of like um, you know banks were questioning them, and you know with crypto, it's 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 gonna be a big problem in the future. I think I think unless we see some really good crypto friendly banks, like it's gonna be it's gonna be a war for the next few years, and, and I think that's kind of expected, but. You know, <laughs> I, yeah, I love I mean, how they made the headlines on this. Yeah, but, I, yeah. I think these banks, uh, people that work at these banks that allow crypto, they're all just in CYA mode, like cover your ass, right? I mean, <laughs> it's not it's not core business. They if they if they get in trouble, they lose their job. But if they do well, they get a bonus of like two thousand dollars at the end of the year, right? So why do they really want to take these risks when all the governments are talking about it? So what what's going to happen is uh, one or two big banks are going to accept this and in in maybe who knows months or a year's time and then and then everyone's going to come in just like just like all the hedge funds and all the asset managers so yeah, yeah. i think i think for now the big the, the, the top of the banks they don't want to care about this right now so i guess and also i think there's a lot of regulatory issues especially in hong kong right now i feel like it's a situation where all the regulators are like oh hey there's two things that that's going to happen right now first of all yeah there's we there's a lot of money being made here uh, so we want a little bit of the pie as well. And then the second thing is obviously they need to kind of um, cater to what the central government um, also wants, right? Like what the top level guys want want as well. So it's we're in that like, kind of awkward position right now. Hmm. Just in between. Um, Just speaking of awkward position, uh, here's the last one that I have. The U.S. Treasury wants to expand crypto reporting to fight offshore tax evasion. Uh, as you know, Biden released its budget proposal. I think it's like $6 trillion. They're going to pump another $6 trillion into the into the economy. Um, they're just going to print it. And um, yeah, there's there's a website right here. I can, I can link you guys in the chat if you guys are interested. 
Um, essentially, this is from the White House. It's the president's budget and, and detailed explanation of where all the money is going. Um, there's a lot of stuff here, uh, so I didn't really have time to completely go through everything. But basically, the article is saying that um, tax evasion using crypto assets has become a huge problem. And the Treasury wants to kind of put more resources towards tracking all these things and trying to get more information from people. But, you know, the things with exchanges that are registered in the U.S., if you use Coinbase or Gemini, those are already they already share all that information. So it, it wouldn't be anything new if you're um, a United States citizen. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be anything different. But um, I think they are trying to acknowledge it. And, and this is I feel like this is a way that the U.S. is saying that, you know, game on that they're going to be, you know, trying to get in on it as well. They're going to um, claim your you money. Think? No, no matter where yeah. you run, <laughs> it can yeah. run and it can't pay them taxes, bro. They going to get you. you. Can't run. They're going to get you, man. They're going to get you. I think Sam, you, you wanted, did you, did you want to comment on the president's budget? You seem sounded like you had a strong opinion on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. $6 trillion is a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, it's dude, lot. it's like it's a lot it's of money. A lot, man. For infrastructure, you know, I mean, I have no idea. Uh, I love infrastructure. I mean, that that's like a, that's, uh, a good I, I, that's a good buzzword. I mean, uh, I mean, does infrastructure involve burying bodies into large buildings? Is that also infrastructure? Because <laughs> that was infrastructure. <laughs> community college degrees are infrastructure too, evidently. Right? Yeah, essentially. They're not building municipal airports. This is like funding, you know, every every right, barrel right. project, you know, this side of the Mississippi River is getting funded through this infrastructure bill. So it's a lot of money. You yeah. Know? Hence, hence why the tax evasion stuff, right? Like you want to protect your you want to protect your 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 assets, especially against inflation through through, you know, outsized government spending like this. You know, what's what's what are you going to do? Right. Like. This is actually making the excellent yeah. case for crypto right now. I think it's it's a situation where it's just like they're they're so stuck in in this like hole they dug, right? Oh, they're making they're printing more money, and then they're trying to prevent money from leaving their shores. It's you know, it doesn't no work. figure. <laughs> doesn't no work. figure. Thought about it like that. No that figure. might be. That's yeah. They're trying to. It's, keep it's it a in. big concern here. It's yeah. A big concern. Yeah. 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 Huh. Yeah. All right, I, I'll go through my side very quickly on the news side. Let me let me very quickly run through some stuff. So first and foremost, if you guys are on Ethereum, well, right now is probably one of the cheapest times to do anything at this current point. So it's the lowest point in gas fees since January. Uh, nice. It's only 25 going. I've never seen 24. I've never seen it. That is that's quite good. It's quite good. You can actually you can actually do transactions right now. So wait, wait, only a yeah. dollar for a there's transaction. There's nobody Someone, waiting. Yeah, there's nobody waiting after the bus. Someone that's tell genius. Binance this. Someone tell Binance this because why don't you try withdrawing some ERC20 from that exchange? <laughs> oh man, they're still charging you like still 60 bucks. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like something stupid. All right. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's quite good. I mean, two Satoshis per byte on Bitcoin too. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. This is like the cheapest we've ever seen. The fire sale for fees right now. So that's awesome. 
the, uh, there's a hack on Binance Smart Chain's belt finance. Another victim, another week, another victim. This one hits me quite hard, actually, because I was actually in belt, unfortunately. So I was in the four pool. Uh, so the hacker managed to use an economic exploit. So it's a combination of flash loans and also an exploit on another protocol that belt was lending money to. Uh, the end result was that $6.23 million was uh, stolen. And uh, <laughs> uh, that's uh, relatively unfortunate. And uh, when I checked my belt farming, 5% of my funds were gone. So that was pretty nasty. I think that's my first big hit on the whole farming scene. Um, a lot more defensive. And I think, Leslie, um, you were like, take your funds out. of. You were like, don't touch these Binance things because it was so fast and efficient to to do transactions that exploiters can go fast, right? So I, I still remember you saying that two weeks ago. I did not listen to you then. I was like, oh, don't worry. Two well, weeks is okay. Well, you know, I told myself it's a top 50 times and I didn't pull. So who am I to say? Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, but I, I think because, it, uh, you know, Binance Smart Chain embodies the ethos of Binance, which is just build really fast, right? And so mm. a lot of projects are on there. There's a lot of support. Um, you know, a lot of people are, uh, of course, onboarded through Binance. And so it, mm. it's natural that in a down market, you know, the, the thing preventing people from trying to exploit these projects is that they're making more just getting long, right? And so when the market turns, you just you just get more people attacking. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of people just fork protocols and, and change certain yeah. things and, and just want to launch it, right? And they're all enough. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the other issue the is like... Higher. There, there are audits, but audits only check the code. They don't check how contracts interact with each other. So it's like a lot of time when these when DeFi people want to work together, there there's a big issue where now it's like okay, there's two types of exploits. Either one is with you know um, exploit how they're integrated together, and the other one is economic exploits that can both kind of target this. And these are not really audited at this current point. So. Right. Just to right. just to chime in real quick, Michael, uh, mm -hmm. there is a service called Gauntlet Network mm -hmm. uh, that does protocol interaction testing. Uh, mm -hmm. I know Torin from there, and some some of they're they're a great team over there actually. So Gauntlet, Gauntlet, yeah, Gauntlet Network, like right. Gauntlet, like uh, like a glove. Can't really spell, but yeah, uh, yeah, like Torin, yeah. Compound, yeah, uh, you know, you'll see some big names on there. So yeah, it's definitely yeah. though something to be cognizant of. You know how how protocols, especially on layer one, and when you start going to layer two, how these complex interactions start being modeled and being mm -hmm. tested because it's 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 going to be definitely a lot easier potentially for a, a bigger attack surface. I think so. It is. And, and this this the worst part is that this is not even looked at right now. I mean, there's a speed at which DeFi is building, right? They're just mm -hmm. like, oh, let's just whitelist someone else's like either Oracle or they whitelist someone else's contract address to approve um pre-approve their loans. I mean, this is seems to be what's happening. And the 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 issue is right now, like I think a lot of people just uh, a lot of projects they do due diligence by saying, Okay, look, your code's audited, my code's audited, great, let's go. But the problem is now <laughs> when you interact, <laughs> I think that's exactly the issue. So thanks for pointing that out, Sam. I think this is this is something that we, the space needs, and it's not even like I think it's like that's what we we need to dissect back. Like we need to know that this is like you know like there's more stuff being done here. This is a big issue. All right. It's, so what else is? Mm -hmm, go it's just the same as an ETH. I don't know if you remember DeFi summer last year, September, when things were going bad. That's when Pickle and everything got hacked. So it's just happening in the same same way on BSC, but just much larger scale because everyone's in now.
Yeah. Mm. I think so. I think so. Um, also, okay. Yeah, I think this is also quite interesting. So I got this new segment up. We got Big Connect in the news again. So SEC shoes five over two point five billion Big Connect Ponzi. So this is like, Damn. I mean, Big Connect was one of the biggest scams in twenty seventeen, right? Yeah. So uh, I think at that time, I just I just put some context to this, right? Like if you made content that was anti Big Connect, which I did, you'll get flamed. You'll get death threats. Because there's so mm. many people who are into this stuff, and it's a clear Ponzi. Because they're just like, yeah, you keep buying this, and then like they use new funds that are coming in to pay the people up top, and then you know people who are in this, they want to defend it because their funds are in there. And then we got a situation which was extremely unhealthy. They went bust, and they took down a lot of people uh, with them. Now the SEC is finally, finally, they're they're finally um, charging against Trayvon James, Craig Grant, Ryan Mason, Michael Noble. So only five people. Um, I felt I thought there would be more, but um, yeah, apparently those, they're finally doing the charges. Those are those are like YouTube uh, people, right? Yep. They're not yep. actual yep. people who were running BitConnect. No, no, no. Yeah, that's the that's that's crazy part about BitConnect too, right? Like who was the real like founder and everything, right? Like it's like, yeah, so this is one of those situations where I feel like it's a little bit too little, too late. But anyways, I think I, I actually read through the entire uh, the charges and stuff, and uh, you know, I think that there there was a substantial amount of proof that they had to get, like they had to prove uh, that these um, the the YouTube Ubers were targeting Americans. They have to prove X, Y, and Z that they were making certain amounts of money. So it's kind of crazy like that. Um, mm. Anyways. Um, it's only targeted American YouTubers as well? I think for now. For now. Yeah. For now. Oh, oh yeah. so it's the, well, it's the SEC. So. Yeah, it's yeah. the SEC. So, yeah. So that's the that's the case. So, yeah. Uh, it seems like finally that's coming into place. I mean, that was a big, that was a big problem of 2017. All right, so we also have uh, this one. Uh, Bit my Bitcoin mining gets 16% easier. I like the headline this time. It's not no longer FUD. Before, it would be like, China binds Bitcoin mining and then FUD and everyone freaks out. But yes, um, it does seem like there is a little bit of a bite to uh, what China was saying about Bitcoin mining. It does seem like the hash rate has dropped around 16%. Now, it's important to remember that Chinese miners are migrating overseas right now at this current point in time as well. So don't expect things to get up too easy. Uh, I, I kind of anticipate that in the next few weeks that uh, mining is just going to go back up very quickly on that as well. So uh, <laughs> that's right there. So uh, there's also uh, talk about right, right now is a lot of China FUD, especially with the Chinese negativity to crypto. I mean, last week, apparently, uh, Premier Liu, uh, Liu He said, OK, look, they're denouncing crypto mining and trading. They're trying to get every department. So the top is saying, yo, uh, this is no longer cool. It's no longer kosher, even though previously last year they're like, oh, yeah, you know, Blockchain is pretty good. They even talked about Ethereum on the uh, on mainstream news. Now they're saying, yeah, uh, not very cool. They want to control the speed at which crypto is being developed. They want, they kind of want. I think it's kind of like a two prong attack. They want to attack crypto and then push, of course, DCEP, which is a China version, which is a centralized version that's got the full signatory power of the People's Bank of China. Then they can pass their own digital currency around and then try to make that a kind of a global phenomenon. So 
it's interesting. It's interesting to see how it goes. I think it's still a little bit unclear. Uh, so I know just people trying to predict what it's going to get, but I think, you know, slow entrenchment could be possibility. And also, of course, because um, every single department under the top is trying to crack down on crypto. It's still a little bit uncertain how much impact it's going to have over the long term. Short term, of course, is FUD. All the miners are a little freaking out a little bit. But long term, we'll see how long this lasts. I think that's my uh, my take. Any other takes on here, guys? Yeah, this one feels a bit stronger than the ones in the past. Uh, mm. I mean, Liu He's, you can look him up. I mean, he's one of the top guys in the government. So, um, We'll 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 need some time to see how this shakes out, but uh, I felt like what triggered this move was really, I, I feel like uh, China China guys who knew about this and were and were shorting the market or were selling. Mm. Um, mm. So let's hope it it resolves itself soon. Yeah, and I think I, I think you commented on this before, right? Because you saw that the funding rates went funding rates went negative on right. the Chinese. Remember, I was saying I was saying funding yeah. rates are negative. This is very interesting. Well, now I get it. And it, interestingly, it was most negative on the Chinese exchanges. So we pulled the page up. It was it was a Huobi and OKX. So I guess mm -hmm. we know now. <laughs> mm. So probably Chinese guys were in on this. They knew it's going to be hit harder than what the news was saying. So they were selling, they were shorting the crap out of it on the major exchanges. So so we kind of interpreted like now we, we understand, right? It's one of those situations where you're at the start, you're like, you're seeing these funding rates, you're seeing this action, and you're like, you're wondering why. And then now you kind of understand more and more as you know China slowly um, reveals more. So kind of the insiders got on it first. And we saw the signs. And I think that's the other thing about seeing. Um, you know, tracking what's happening, right? So uh, I'll just bring the last uh, bit of information here, which is yet again, this is quite interesting. This is uh, viewed on CryptoQuant, where you see all of a sudden there's a migration of funds out of derivatives exchanges at this current point, right? So all of a sudden you see um, uh, here's $1.69 billion of stable coins withdrawn from derivatives exchanges. I, I find this is kind of interesting because it's yet again, it opens a lot of interpretation. You know, are traders, are some traders getting insights into, you know, derivatives exchanges? Maybe they're moving out because of some regulatory reasons or maybe because they're not making money as much money. It's yet again, it's a situation where I think there could be many interpretations of what's happening here, but it's important to know that at least that this is happening. Because yet again, it could, it could lead to either uh, more high volatility as the volume goes down. Um, or maybe less manipulation, who knows, right? It's interesting. It's interesting. But there's definitely movements out I, there. I, th I think this is part of a deleveraging. Part of why the market went up was because you can you can post your FBTC as collateral on DeFi exchanges and then mm. you know WBTC or ETH and then borrow stable coins and do more farming, right? Or maybe you take it onto an exchange and do do trade a trade on leverage and get long some more. And so part of it taking out could be some guys taking not taking profit, but just cutting losses and, and others and others are just taking it back out so they can pay off their DeFi loans, right? So uh, there's there's a bunch of things going on, but I think mainly it's deleveraging. People are not as not not using their collateral fifty seven times to, to get long to get long some more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> That was such a big problem, but I mean, it makes sense in crypto as well. I mean, the, the, it was just like sh shooting up like crazy. So everyone was on leverage and it felt like people who were on leverage were making massive gains. So, you know, naturally other people want to get on leverage too, right? So it was a it was a situation where everyone fed off each other until, of course, a massive crash that we saw and it just took everyone down. It took people who, it, um, you know, uh, caught off everyone off guard. 
So let's take a quick glance at the markets right now. So uh, we're finished pretty much with the biggest headlines on the news. Uh, markets, not too exciting, huh, guys? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's... Uh, Kind of barely any movement yes. apart from Cordano. I, I think Cordano I, and Ripple. Cordano. I'm in it for the tech, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. So Bitcoin barely moved. Ethereum is still stuck at um 23k. I, I expected Ethereum to go up a little bit more. So what we saw was the weekend dump, right? So we saw it going all the way. We we bled all the way. Uh, let's just move it to seven, seven days. Uh, and I was talking to this you guys about this on Friday. Right? It was 20 28k on Friday and. Yet again, we were approaching weekend and last weekend. So the weekend before this, we saw um, there were substantial, uh, there was a big dip that week, right? And uh, we saw the post from the guys from FTX and they were saying, oh, it was because of low volume. People just wanted to sell maybe from the China FUD, et cetera. And because it was very low volume, the prices dumped a lot more than, well, they regularly would if it wasn't the weekend, right? So um, yeah, that narrative seems to continue this weekend as well. We saw dips all the way down to you know 2,200 for ETH. I was like watching that. I, I kind of hoped this morning that prices will recover a little bit faster, but we'll have to see maybe China FUD is still quite big right now um, in the inner circles in China because yeah, it doesn't seem like we're recovering as fast as we can, but we do have Cardano and Ripple recovering quickly. quickly. Apparently, I even saw an article that says Cardano was leading the market uh, with their amazing, <laughs> amazing tech. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, I it's mean, coming, it, I heard. <laughs> so In times also, like this, you just got to focus on the tech, you know, yeah. so... It's also you a know, three-day they, weekend in the United States. So. Yeah, Memorial Day. Oh, yep. right. Yeah, right. yeah. So, right, I that, see. That's I your see. scapegoat for why the market hasn't recovered. Yeah. Come on, thing. come on, come on. You guys can't. America, come on. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. I, I didn't know that. So, yeah, so I guess. Because I was like, oh, yeah, the Asian bowls aren't up yet. Nope, 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 nope. American bowls ain't up either. American bowls aren't up either. Where about Europeans? European bowls? I mean, uh, are the Europeans going to save us this time? Um, <laughs> I would hold your breath. Come through. Euro, where the Euro bees yeah. at? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, all right. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about DeFi and everything that's going on. We have uh, Sam from um, uh, Manifold, and Sam. I guess I guess I to take us from the start, right? Because this is the first time that we're exploring uh, what you're doing, and you know, it's it, it's quite a lot of the stuff uh, very deep into DeFi. So, can you give us a very like broad picture, like big picture of what's going on? You know, what 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 kind of your challenge? What what you're solving in this space? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So what we're solving is basically gas pricing issues and market inefficiencies on the on decentralized exchanges. Uh, our focus is mainly on the urine ecosystem. So we're actually partnered with SushiSwap in offering a, a strategy, we call it, called Y-Cabal. And what Y-Cabal does is Basically, we set up a private mining pool or a private uh, mem mem pool for transactions. You submit your transaction like you would normally on SushiSwap. We aggregate those transactions and then we perform an arbitrage calculation on that bundled uh, batches of transactions. Uh, The reason why we do that is we have uh, agreements with some mining pools and we also utilize flashbots for minor extracted value. So we're able to actually capture a larger arbitrage profit than normal because of 
the transactional order flow coming from SushiSwap. So it's it's actually somewhat similar to what Robinhood and Citadel have, how Robinhood's able to offer zero transaction costs for trading securities is by selling their order flow to Citadel, their clearing partner. So we're basically trying to do the same for the Ethereum blockchain, mm. uh, mainly SushiSwap. Uh, and obviously it can be extended to any other chain because it's chain agnostic, because as long as it's proof of work or proof of stake, uh, it, it can work on, on that network. Mm. And, uh, what happens is actually we refund. So version one, we refund the transactional cost, uh, 30 blocks after the transaction has, has been mined, but for version two, we're actually working with block native uh to provide account information and right. basically risk score your account and we'll actually pay for the transaction up front based on certain parameters so it's going to be bringing gasless trading to sushi swap and the urine ecosystem uh as a whole uh we're looking to launch actually june 6th uh, which is a, a friends and family quote unquote beta mm -hmm. uh We'll have more details uh, in the next day or two on how you can participate. And then mm -hmm. after the EAP 1559 hard fork, which is estimated for July 8th to the 16th, that's the window that the core devs have set up. Uh, July 20th is when we're planning on going to full production, which means all trading pairs will be supported. So during June 6th to the 20th of July, we'll be in a limited beta which means only whitelisted addresses can participate or be eligible for refunds. And, uh, and yeah, and that's basically, it's, it's, it's a lot more complicated than I'm making it sound. Let me chime in a little bit here by interrupting you. Sorry. Sorry. So, so no, I'll, no. I'll, just give, I'll give the big picture here a little bit because I think a lot of people, they, they, I mean, we've all used transactions and I think, you know, for people who are trading on either uh, Uniswap or SushiSwap, something that we notice a lot is we get failed transactions, right? So um, it happens to me all the time. What happens is like, even if I ramp up the gas fees to the, to max or to, you know, I, I'll, what I'll always do, right? I'll always do is I'll, I'll ramp up the gas fees. I'll say, this is high. This is for traders. I'm paying a premium, but still the transaction fails, right? Even though I got the quote, it fails. And that's because I'm getting front run. And the issue here is that because of the way Ethereum works, these transactions are announced to the entire network before they are processed. Right. And I think yeah. this is something that's very different from a centralized exchange. This is actually this actually makes DeFi a little bit worse. Right. So I had a we have a comment here from Twitter. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting where he's like, oh, um, you know, this is uh, <laughs> DeFi to DeFi says we're fixing DeFi by acting like CeFi. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was an interesting comment. But in a way, it's true because, you know, at the start, right, at the start of what we're we're having now. Yes, we, we have. Um, a decentralized network that can process these transactions. But the problem is the way it works is it's kind of messed up because you announce what you're going to do to the entire network before it gets processed by the network, which means that you give everyone the opportunity to run in front of you, right? To run in front of you. And then what, when, when they do that, the side effect is what you see is you get worse rates or you get a failed transaction. 
So those are that's that's kind of the issue that's facing DeFi right now. It's a big freaking problem. And I, I see that all the time. I, I like I trade, like my order gets failed and I lose like $60 of gas, especially during like these congestion seasons. It's horrible, right? So what Manifold is doing is that you're kind of like, you're kind of, so 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 I guess I'll, I'll break that down a little bit. So you're basically giving the information to miners first before anyone else. So you're, you're kind of secretly sending that to someone and saying, look, you know what, process this for me. And then we announce it. Then, then that's when the world know, finds out about it, right? Yeah. So that's it's that's exactly how it works. Uh, it's, but to add to that point, we actually cut in the miners. So mm. uh, I, I know your, your your YouTube channel is called Box Mining. So obviously you have a very strong preference for miners. So no, I, no, no. I, it, it's, it's it's mining for information now. I right? think that's the, <laughs> that's the, right? that's where it is. But but uh, honestly, you know. I think mining, the block reward will be the, these sorts of rewards in the future, mm. right? It's not going to be, no one is going to be able to sustain the network at the rates, at an inflationary rate of what? Was it two and a half ETH or five ETH? Uh, right. Two and a half ETH. But, uh, so you know, the, 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 the MEV extracted value will be the block reward. So services like this, you know, to, to, to talk to the, the, the guy who posted that comment on Twitter, you know, I don't think he knows how, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he knows how the sausage is being made right now because it's certainly uh, not more centralized by using the service when you're using Infura or Alchemy API as your only RPC provider, right? Like, in a it's sense, gonna very deep. it's going to, it's going to go very deep. All right. Like AWS that, that's <laughs> I think I think I think it, it, it was a fun comment. It, it, it goes very very deep. I think I'm, we're not going to go for the inferior comment because because that's going to be like a four hour debate. Um, but yeah, Leslie, you want to say something? Yeah, I just want to kind of simplify it, do a few things uh, in, in in the market. So uh, what this does is because I've been front run many times and, and people make a lot of money off me and I get really pissed. So what this does is it returns the value back to me. Uh, with all the MEV discussions, it's it's very timely and so and so it's great. I think there's a few things. Uh, just to be clear, everyone, um, Metafold is a portfolio company of GBV. So just to be clear about that, uh, but uh, you know, one of the few, one of the, there's a few I think strengths of of Manifold. One is it's very close to the Sushi team, and so uh, the, the idea is to get fully integrated with some of the Sushi UI, and so people experience a seamless process. It's not it's not like go to this wallet, set this up or something. You literally go to a front end that is the same as Sushi, and you and you check a box saying enable trade protection or something, and you trade. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is is your background, Sam. I mean, people may not know who you are. Do you mind giving me a background? So before Manifold, what were you doing? Uh, uh, prior uh what's your experience in DeFi? what are your credentials yeah so uh i've i've been involved with the urine ecosystem uh helping helping the team over there a lot as a contributor not as a core developer but as a contributor uh i've done some stuff with my with uh actually with uh, a thing that i've been working on called DeFi threat which is a threat matrix for DeFi attacks, which actually Michael was kind of speaking to earlier in the program uh, about like flash loan attacks and stuff. I hope I basically documented all this like a year ago, but you know, it's <laughs> whatever. Uh, and then really I've been in crypto since 2012. So 
I lost money on Mount Gox. I know how painful it is. <laughs> I know how painful yeah. it is. Still waiting for my Bitcoin back. I don't know. One day, maybe. Uh, but really, you know, my background is 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 more in in the actual day to day operations and seeing, you know, quote unquote, how the sausage is made, right? Like they didn't fear a comment was in jest, really, because what they do is very complicated. Uh, and then, you know, building a system is different than running a system, too. So I've put a team together at Manifold that I think is extremely high caliber. Uh, I learned something new every day from from the people that are that are working on this. Uh, but yeah, that's I think I, I hope I answered your question. And, and one more question. I just saw in the live stream, someone said, is this similar to Mist X? Um, how how is it different? How is it different? What's the timing and and so on? Um, how are you different from Mistex? Because I think uh, how, Ronnie how or someone just asked. From, so so Stefan is is part of the Flashbots team. Uh, it's very different. We'll just say that it's very different. It's different in the code base. You know, I don't. Let, let me just say this. I don't know any high frequency trading firms using TypeScript or JavaScript to develop applications. That's not a oh, knock right. on, that's not a knock on their development team or anything like that. It's just <laughs> uh, it's just different, you know. No, I think, I think you guys are using there is uh... <laughs> No, I think you guys are using a, a, a proprietary high performance language for your, for your platform, right? K K uh, KDB plus. So so K KDB Plus is a is an in-memory column storage database. Uh, you can go to their website, kx.com. That's powering the business logic. Uh, <laughs> I would mention some of their current customers is like BitMEX, but I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. Yeah, I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but BitMEX is very fast except for the risk engine. Uh, everything else is... Everything else is actually top top notch in terms of speed. It's just the risk engine is sort of single threaded. So um, that's that's what was causing the problem beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know. Also, you were Sam. <laughs> Sam, I I think this is less of a question directed at Manifold, but more about MEVs in general. So yeah. how, so how does this whole thing came about, right? Because I mean. Uh, uh, like now it's like kind of the, one of the hottest topics of discussion, right? Where, you know, like how, how do you um, make these trades more efficient? You know, you guys are using MVVs. You know, can, can you tell me a little bit about how that works? So miner extracted value is basically the miner picking the transaction order of the block that is mined mm. such that it's more, it yields a, a higher profit for them if mm. they're placing their own trade or in our case, they're being bribed, quote unquote, to place their order, place yeah. our order first in the block. So that means mm. when you get that, when you get, when you're at position zero in the block, you're the very first transaction of that block. You get to dictate sort of the slippage and all that kind of stuff. That per the per uh, for the preceding transactions for the following transactions. Yep. So that's at a very high level what MEV quote unquote is. There's some other aspects to it, 
like so, so, so I'll, I'll zoom out a little bit so 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 because yeah. you know from under like the, the way mining originally worked was like whoever pays more gas because like, i always find this chart very cool because like you know it's it's all about how much you're willing to pay for a ticket to get on a train right uh right. This is, uh transaction street which is like okay look <laughs> Uh, and usually that's dictated by the way price, right? The gas price. So usually yeah. if you're willing to pay a higher gas price, you get on the train first, right? That's kind of how it works. It's very, it's, it's almost like Uber, Uber surcharging, right? You know, when you really need that Uber right now, you know, how much surcharging are you willing to pay for? But however, right? However, um, um, MEV basically gives you an additional advantage. So not only are you paying higher gas, but you can kind of bribe the miner and say, look, if if you're gonna process like if if you have a chance of processing the next block if you get the next block you know put me there first right I'll give you something extra so it's kind of like this kind of like uh, automated bribe to get on even before everyone else right yeah and, yeah and, and you can actually compare it towards the legacy financial system there's something called an order type in which you can place an order on an exchange let's say like the New York Stock Exchange. And basically place an order type, which is not available to everybody, but it's available to like lead market makers, for example. And what will happen is when the when the trades are coming in, it'll it'll actually do the settlement based on the order type, not when it was first received, but rather what the order type is for the transaction. So in many ways, it's 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 similar to existing legacy financial exchanges in that you're being able to have a precedence besides strictly who came first, right? What transaction was received first uh, for, for your actual trade settlement. So it's not unheard of, but it's definitely something that the normal end user is not going to be aware of, right? Like you don't have order types on, on Robinhood, for example, like this is something a lot more sophisticated traders are able to leverage. And that's what we're looking to bring down to the end user actually is that level of sophistication, but abstracted away such that you don't even know it's happening in the background. Uh, your wallet will show it because you'll get a refund or you won't have to use gas for the transactions. But at the end of the day, you know, I think that sort of user experience is much more important to making crypto successful long-term rather than, you know, uh, the way it is right now. Because for example, if you go invest in a urine strategy right now, it's the same cost, no matter how much money you put in, right? If you want to deposit $10 million into a urine strategy, for example, it'll cost you $300. That's the same, it's the same transaction fee, right? For putting $3,000, which makes no sense to the end user, right? Like that doesn't, like it doesn't feel right, sort of, uh, you know, from what people are normally uh, mm -hmm. used to. So those are the problems that we're looking to solve and are solving right now. Can can I try to explain right. it and how I understand it? Yeah. Um, so, so for our audience, I like to compare each block kind of as a, like a package that I'm mailing out. So let's say you know, I put all the all the transactions into this box and I want to mail it. So I go to the post office and I'm willing to pay first class money, right? I want to send it to Hong Kong. I want to send this to Michael. I want to I want to get it there in two days. So I'm going to pay more than anyone else. And so whoever pays the most traditionally, um, then they get to they get to, you know, 
the first class gets there first and you know the, the three to five days overnight and you know the regular mail they, it arrives later and so essentially what you guys are doing is you guys are saying that okay so if you guys uh, use our platform then we'll hire the post guy too and we'll tell the post guy will be able to put all of the homies transactions into the block first and mail that out to michael so then for sure he gets it and then everybody is that is that kind of the idea that's 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 spot on it's a great, <laughs> great explanation uh cool. you know just just to add to your point too it's so there is one caveat in that if your trade isn't eligible, like it's like, let's say, so we're taking all of sushi swaps trades, right? Not every trade that's submitted will be eligible for a refund because it, it, what, for whatever reason, maybe the slippage is too high that the person set or whatever, you still get benefit in that you won't get front run per se, in the sense that you're, you're submitting to our permissioned and private mempool. So what that means is you get, some degree of confidentiality with our system no matter what even if it's not arbitraged against you'll still have the benefit of using a private rpc layer rather than the public network which means prices should come down as a whole and be less volatile based on you know trades that are happening on the first versus the public mempool so there's a there's a larger public benefit than strictly just having gas free trade. Mm. Got it. And, and I think I've seen. So I think this is the advantage. But you know, yet again, at the end of the day, I mean, you have a you have a community, you have a token. What's the token for in this case then? So fifty percent of the arbitrage profits are returned to sushi swap users. Twenty five percent is returned to mining pools. And the other, the excess 25, the remainder 25% is returned to stakers in the manifold finance ecosystem. Hmm. So that's token holders. So right, that's right. that's one, one aspect of it, obviously. There's also, we're also deploying strategies besides Y-Cabal. That should happen mid-July after the production launch of Y-Cabal is complete. Uh, you'll also get exposure to to APY strategies, similar to like how Yearn, except uh, you won't have to pick and choose your strategy. Rather, you'll just be invested in one token and get an exposure to all strategies. Right, right. I see. Cool, cool. Yeah, I think I think it's like it, it's quite interesting to get into because I think. It's one of those things that's very, um, very deep into DeFi. I think a lot of people, what they see is they see the transactions fail, but they don't know why. And I think um, this is just not only understanding why, but having a direct solution for it and then solving people, solving that direct problem. Because you know, every time a transaction has failed and you get a new quotation, you're going to lose money, right? The quotation is going to be worse. So that's where the benefit of this is. This, this is where the project is kind of directly tackling that problem and saying, look, we're allowing you to not fail transactions. We're allowing you to get the rate that you were actually promised. 
And I think this is kind of, uh, well, it, it's like, it's kind of expected, but DeFi didn't deliver that at the first phase because of just the way the whole network is set up because you're tra processing this transaction in a decentralized nature. It was the case where everyone found out about you and everyone can front run you. And the network got, like people on the network are very efficient at front running people, which is why kind of gas fees went up because people saw the opportunity to make money there. So anyways, I think that's kind of cool. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Sam, for kind of uh, giving us an insight on what's happening there. I think this is a, a great discussion overall as well, because um, it's really, um, I, it, and this problem actually happened quite a few times. I, I was trying to find an example for this, but even Vitalik, when he was uh, <laughs> selling Shiba, uh, <laughs> yeah, the moment I said that, you know what I'm going to talk about, right? Because so, <laughs> when he was trying to sell Shiba Inu, he got front run like crazy, right? <laughs> uh he he couldn't even sell it right he was gonna try to dump it and he he, he had issues dumping it like he got he his transactions failed and he got worse rates each time and it was like in the t tens of thousands of not hundreds of thousands of dollars each time so yet again he was one who resorted also to an mev based service i think it was arrow swap that he managed to do that so i think this is something that you know even vitalik uh was like wow like this is this is a big problem and um you know it happened so anyways guys i think that's kind of cool we'll talk about this more i mean we covered something like move swap in the past uh which is also using mevs to try to find a match with a buyer and seller to try to bypass what's happening on uniswap anyways i think this is a very like it's a very necessary development to fix some of the core issues here so Anyways, guys, I think that's a good wrap for this segment. Yep. So thank you guys all for coming in. Thank you, Nate. Thank you, uh, Leslie. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Sam, for coming in today. Thank you guys all for watching. I saw some really awesome comments in here. I just want to highlight a few. We got, <laughs> we got Llama trolling us and saying Troll Connect. <laughs> troll Connect. <laughs> troll Connect. Um, uh, we got we got Elijah Collins says the plant knows kung fu. This is my box plant over here. Plant knows kung fu. Plants still alive. Plants growing well, actually. Look at that. Look nice. At that. That's, that's that's doing well. Uh, I definitely like to thank you guys for coming in and tuning in. I, I know uh, Rob's tuning in very very bright and early. I think six a.m. for him. You know, er, uh, morning. So guys, thank you guys for tuning in. We're gonna have a next segment. Next segment's actually gonna be on Wednesday, and Wednesday's uh, stream will actually be on a reverse timetable. It'll be at eleven p.m. Hong Kong time, which will be like. Yeah, will be a flip. So we're doing a flip of, um, especially for European audiences. Um, this will be kind of good because like a lot of people can't even watch this in Europe. So I hope you guys can tune in there for the next episode. Uh, uh, let me just give you guys the link as well. Let me very quickly throw that into the chat. Uh, get shareable link. Boom. And throw that out there. And yeah, we'll see you guys then. So thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you guys for tuning in. And thank you all for being here. So cheers, guys. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers, fellas.